Shalom and thank you for clicking to listen to one of our audio messages. At Tikvat David, we are building a Yeshua-centered Judaism for Israel and the nations. We hope that this message will encourage, inform, and inspire you to follow Yeshua and to walk in the pathways of Torah. Enjoy. Many years ago, I was invited by a friend to attend his church, which at the time was one of the largest churches in the East Coast. And my friend had a personal relationship with the senior pastor. So after the service, I had the opportunity to meet the pastor. And when introducing me, my friend mentioned that I was a Messianic Jew. And reflexively and with sincere interest, the pastor turned to me and said, so uh, when did you convert to Christianity? Now, At the time, I was not sure how to respond to that statement, but what was clear in my mind then is that the pastor's question reflected what most people assume about Jews who become followers of Jesus. They're Christians, and being a Christian, categorically speaking, means that you no longer practice Judaism. So for followers of Jesus, it's assumed by most that Judaism is a thing of the past. But, big question is, uh, is this how the disciples of Jesus understood themselves during the time of Jesus and the apostles? Did they think that they had left Judaism to join another religious movement? Did they see Judaism as empty and void of spiritual life with the need to be replaced by a new and better system that would eventually be called Christianity? How about today? Are Jews who follow Jesus today part of Christianity? Judaism? Both? Neither? And if we really want to make this messy, how does all this relate to non-Jews, Gentiles? Should Gentile followers of Jesus have a connection to Judaism? Okay, so we are all gas and no breaks at this point. I can hear my mother's voice, uh, my mother of blessed memory, her voice saying, for goodness sake, Ryan, slow it down. So, all right, for mom's sake, let's pump the brakes here and start sorting through these questions regarding conversion, Jews, Gentiles, and Jesus. So, you know, I guess another question to ask is, is it fair to use the term conversion in relation to Jewish followers of Yeshua in New Testament times? So, okay, first, let's go back to New Testament times and consider Jewish people who became followers of Jesus. So in answer to my question, I see no evidence in the New Testament that Jewish people who became followers of Jesus had any sense that they had left Judaism. The biblical data cannot Uh, decisively prove to us how every Messianic Jew uh, thought and lived during that era. But there are plenty of biblical references which indicate that the first generations of Jewish followers of Jesus continue to operate within Judaism and among the rest of the Jewish people. So here are a few key pieces of information. What we know from the Bible is that these first Jewish disciples continue to worship the God of Israel alone. They were persuaded that Jesus was the Jewish Messiah and King of Israel. They continue to observe the Torah. They continue to pray in the temple. They continue to offer worship as Jews by offering Levitical sacrifices. All of that is in the New Testament. In other words, based on the information we have in the New Testament, there are strong indications that Jewish followers of Jesus continue to live Torah-observant lives within Judaism. In their minds, allegiance to Jesus as the Messiah was an idea that was not only compatible with Judaism, reach to the very heart of it. Thus, in the New Testament, there is no sense in which Jewish followers of Jesus had any sense that they had converted from one religious system to another. Now, here's another question, though. Is it fair 
to use the term conversion in relation to Jewish followers of Jesus in modern times. Now, I would say this part of the discussion is a bit more complicated. Since the 1960s in particular, there have been many Jewish people who have become followers of Jesus, and that's a great thing. However, the reality is that the overwhelming majority of those Jews who became followers of Jesus during that time period did so in environments where they were not encouraged to continue to live as Jews in any kind of meaningful manner. And I'm a typical example of this. When I became a follower of Jesus in my 20s, I did so in the church. While it was appreciated and respected in my church that I was a Messianic Jew, the expectation was that I would conform to the norms and culture of Christianity, which really was not conducive to Torah living as a Jew. So those norms didn't include an affirmation of, a, of the Torah as a way of life for the followers of Jesus, whether Jewish and certainly not for Gentiles. Thus, in a sense, I do think it's fair to say that in those early years as a follower of Jesus, I actually did go through a conversion. I was not practicing Torah and Judaism, nor was I connected to the Jewish community. I thought like a Christian and lived like a Christian. Now, I still knew I was Jewish, and I tried to do some Jewish things, such as celebrating Passover and Sukkot, Feast of Tabernacles. But all in all, I had embraced an entirely new way of life that was completely divorced from Judaism. And this is the typical path for most Messianic Jews. It is widely assumed in the Messianic Jewish movement that there are many, many more Messianic Jews in churches than there are in Messianic or non-Messianic synagogues. And while a Jew is still a Jew, wherever they are, and keep in mind, Jewish law 100% affirms that reality. Um, that being said, I, I do believe it is accurate to use the language of conversion in relation to a Jew who has fully embraced Christianity and has no connection to Judaism and living a Jewish life. But there is a different kind of Jewish follower of Jesus in which the term conversion does not fit. Today, there are an increasing number of Jewish followers of Jesus who embrace the Torah and order their lives according to the principles of Judaism. These Jews go to both Messianic and non-Messianic synagogues and actively participate in the Jewish community. Now, this reality describes the way I have personally lived uh, for uh, the past 10 years. Now, I'm not an Orthodox Jew, but I seek to live within the broad space of Judaism by living according to the principles of Torah as defined by the Jewish community. And I found this lifestyle to be completely compatible with my allegiance to Jesus as the Messiah. In other words, I live and function within the boundaries of Judaism as a committed follower of Jesus. For me, and the many other modern Jews for whom this characterizes, conversion is not an appropriate term. Our spiritual home is within Judaism. We may have left home for a bit, but we came back. And as we'll discuss in chapter 3, this is a result of our allegiance to Jesus and the teachings of Paul, and not despite it. Now, another important question for us to answer is, did Gentile followers of Jesus experience a conversion in the New Testament? Now, uh, let's consider that term conversion. Um, did, did they convert? If so, how should we think of the nature of their conversion? Well, I would say, yes, the term conversion is completely accurate when describing the movement of Gentiles who became followers of Jesus in the New Testament. Truly, they were leaving 
an entire system and way of life and embracing another. In the New Testament, and for a long time thereafter, to be a Gentile, by definition, meant that you were a pagan and practiced idolatry. Uh, the Gentiles that Paul ministers to in the New Testament, even if they had an association with synagogues and Judaism and were so-called God-fearers, they still worship the pantheon of gods that characterize all aspects of life in the ancient Greco-Roman world. Paul's gospel emphasized that a new era had dawned in light of Jesus' death and resurrection. And he was persuaded that the Messianic time clock was ticking, and that meant that it was time for non-Jews to turn from their idols and give singular allegiance to the God of Israel. While in modern times, it is uh, common to assume that following Jesus is much harder socially for Jews than Gentiles, that was not the case in Paul's day. It was an inter-Jewish idea and debate regarding whether Jesus was the Messiah. But for Gentiles who embraced the gospel message, it entailed a radical shift in worldview, behavior, and association. It was a true conversion. Now, I wish I could hear how you would answer the following question. Uh, what, And that is, what were Gentile followers of Jesus converting to? I think if I could actually hear your thoughts, there would be lots of different answers. Uh, you may disagree with mine, but I believe that the Gentiles who embraced Jesus during the New Testament era were actually converting to a form of Judaism. Now, before I lose you, uh, let me communicate clearly that this is not the same as saying that Gentiles become Jews as followers of Jesus. That's not the case, and we'll discuss that more uh, in subsequent uh, parts of this series. But I think it's absolutely the case that Paul's Gentiles did convert to Judaism. Think of it this way. Paul's Gentiles were leaving paganism to give full devotion to the God of Israel. They were embracing the Messiah of Israel as their king. They were beginning to order their lives according to the principles of the Jewish Torah as appropriate for them as Gentiles. And in Christ, they were now considered holy ones alongside the Jewish people. So the big question is, what do we call that? Look, I'll grant that Judaism may not be the best term to describe what was happening to the Gentiles who were embracing the gospel in New Testament times, but it's the best term I know of. However, I think it's best that we qualify the term Judaism. Gentiles who embraced the gospel were embracing a certain expression within Judaism. It was a Jesus-centered Judaism, or we might say an apostolic or apocalyptic end times Judaism, or how about a kingdom Judaism? Whatever qualifier we use, it was still a form of Judaism. To borrow a term from Mark Nanos, Paul's Gentiles were living Jewishly or Jewish-ish. But very importantly, they did not become Jews. In Paul's mind, an influx of Gentiles into Judaism was a sign of Messianic times according to the expectation of the prophets. Well, in addition to seeing Judaism as a previous way of life for the people of God, it's also common to view Judaism as important background information for understanding the Bible. Uh, on the one hand, I would say this is positive because gaining an awareness of the Jewish context of the Bible, it deepens our understanding of the soil from which the Bible sprouted. However, viewing Judaism as part of the background of the story is problematic. Contrary to popular perceptions, the New Testament takes place in an entirely inter-Jewish environment. Isaac Oliver says, There is no Jewish background to the New Testament because this literary corpus contains what were originally Jewish documents. 
So personally, I've used the phrase Jewish background in the New Testament for years, and I'm sure many of you have as well. And, you know, it's going to take me some discipline for, to, to root out this, this part of my vocabulary. But I think it's an important step because the phrase Jewish background implies that some other religious space other than Judaism is in the foreground in the New Testament. So I think it's important for us to be careful readers and listeners when the term Jewish background or even Jewish foundations is being used in relation to the church of the New Testament. Frequently, below the surface of that term is a deeply embedded replacement theology paradigm. Now, a vivid example of this occurred among my first fruit design colleagues not long ago involving an article published in the magazine Christianity Today. So our staff was initially delighted to learn that uh, Christianity Today was highlighting a book uh, which was uh, which appeared to be affirming the Torah in some unusually positive ways. The name of the book is Bearing God's Name, and uh, the subtitle is Why Sinai Still Matters. And the author is Dr. Carmen Joy Imes, uh, and she says some great things in this book. I loved her emphasis on grace in the Torah, and it's positive that she's dedicated to helping Christians understand the Torah and its relevance for them today. But when I read the review in Christianity Today, there were some signal words that gave me a hunch that she would still be landing her plane in a replacement theology airport. So the same day I read the review, I ordered the book. Uh, when I read the book, sadly, I found that my gut had been correct. Most of the book strongly affirms the importance of the Old Testament for Christians. Yet Dr. Imes reveals that replacement theology still governs her paradigm by expressing the following towards the end of the book. I'm going to quote her. She says, quote, laws that were designed to keep Israel separate as an ethnic group have been set aside. This include laws related to ritual purity, diet, and clothing. The need for a temple has disappeared, fulfilled in Christ, and therefore sacrifices are no longer necessary. Christ is the faithful son standing in for faithless Israel. He is the covenant keeper who ushers in the new covenant. Now, I agree with Dr. Imes about Christ being the faithful son and the ushers in the new covenant. But things really take a negative turn when she says Christ stands in for faithless Israel. Torah laws have been set aside and the need for a temple has disappeared. While Dr. Imes affirms the Jewish background of the New Testament, the quote above is firmly supersessionist. And it doesn't give us anything new or different from what prevailing replacement theology viewpoints of the New Testament Paul have given us for a long time. So when one hears the phrase Jewish background of the New Testament, it doesn't necessarily indicate a viewpoint that is moving Paul's kingdom vision forward. It's sad to say, but what this phrase often means is that Judaism and Torah have been relegated to the background of the Yeshua story. But I would say that's not Paul's vision. Paul was bringing Judaism and Torah to the global foreground so that he could invite the nations into a unified yet diverse family alongside the Jewish people and under the kingship of Yeshua. Jewish background implies two separate religions. There's the background religion of Judaism and the foreground religion of Judaism-free Christianity. The result of this kind of thinking is division among the people of God. So I suggest we stop using the phrase Jewish background of the New Testament, or at least we nuance it when we are compelled to use it. There really is no Jewish background to the New Testament. So next time, we're going to talk more specifically about Paul. Was he called? Was he converted? Was it both? Was it neither? Before we have the foundation this week, but we'll get into his message and really what happened to him on the Damascus, the Damascus Road on next week's podcast. 
Thank you for listening to this audio message from Tikvat David Messianic Synagogue. We would love to get to meet you in person sometime at the synagogue, so come join us for Shabbat or one of the holidays. Also, you can join us in building Messianic Judaism, whether you live in the Atlanta area or far away, by financially contributing to our synagogue. You can learn about the options for giving under the Donate tab at tikvatdavid.org. At Tikvat David, we would love to have you stand with us as we are building a Yeshua-centered Judaism for Israel and the nations. Shalom.